0: Welcome to episode 114 of Offbeat Tracks, a very, very special episode.
1: It is so special that, like, I can't come up with a good metaphor. I'm very tired.
0: (laughs) It's very special because, uh, for once, we're not going to sit here and ramble and give biographical info about the artists we're covering today. And you'll find out why in just a moment. The artist we're covering today is Times Two, um, who released one full LP in 1988, Mm -hmm. one EP two years later, and then went bye-bye forever. Yes. And um, this is an album that I found a long time ago. I don't even remember how I came across this. This must have been like a dollar bin find or something. But I mean, if you look at these two guys on the cover, these two adorable guys, it's like... Of course, I have to buy this, right? And you
1: know, they had a they had a pretty big hit, so it's like something that I always saw on Billboard charts and was like, "What is that?" I'd never heard of it, so that's how I first heard it.
0: So. Gotcha. Well, um, in a bizarre twist of events, uh, because I had long thought uh, one of the gentlemen in this group to be not with us anymore because his Discogs page said he was dead, uh, but it turns out, however, um, after I did a bit further research, he is in fact not dead, and he was being confused with another performer of the same name. Uh, So they are both still alive, Mm -hmm. and I was able to track down uh, Mr. Johnny Dollar, who is not dead, and he was so cool and so generous with his time, and he talked to us. And so without further ado, here is a conversation that we just had with Johnny Dollar. Thank you so much for doing this. We're really excited to talk to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. No problem. It's kind of came out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a Debbie Gibson joke, <laughs> sir? <laughs> Sorry, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, except, wait, I never got an answer. Did you did you see a post that I did? I did about Debbie Gibson and so on Facebook. Is that what brought so you? Because I got your
0: here's what here's how on. I found you. So we we had been planning a times two episode because we plan our episodes for this show like a couple of weeks in advance. And we just pick acts that we like because we're we're like, you know, we're 80s and 90s music junkies. So anything that charted Billboard in either of those two decades, we know it. And so Uh we'll go through and we'll go, Okay, we should do an episode on these guys or one on these guys. And so we had picked times two to do, and I saw on your Discogs page where it said you were dead. And I was like, well, OK. <laughs> th- but then in, in researching you guys, trying to find any what little biographical info I could, I found, oh, well, he's performing under this other name now. And I went, hmm, interesting. So I looked up that name, found your Facebook page, scrolled down one post and saw the Debbie Gibson post and went, well, I guess that's him and he's probably not dead. So that's why I messaged you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It was quite the twist. Yeah, it's weird fortuitous timing. Oh yeah. I oh, mean, just d- I just posted that. You know, I see. Post. Just because
0: you had made that posted. post, that's
2: funny. Yes. Yeah. Never really. I don't really talk about that t- time that much. I just came across that photo. Oh, I know what it was. Some uh, inmates that we took on tour. You know, we had a uh, side guys that we took out on tour for that tour. Started posting some photos from from that tour and I joined in and then oh, I just I see. put a little, my real feelings about it all. <laughs> Your real feelings about it all. Wow. So, I mean, my feelings for the tour was, and Debbie, it, that was really fun experience, but it was, you know, it was, it was rough dealing with, uh, dealing with record companies and, and, you know, it wasn't really, it was an ill fitting, you know, it was a Johnny Bravo jacket. It was like, <laughs> it, was like it was an ill fitting thing. A Johnny I mean, Bravo jacket. That's
1: a very good term.
0: <laughs> that, I, that's that's, uh, that's some good imagery. I like that.
2: Because <laughs> and I have nothing. I have no problem with pop music. In fact, I love bubblegum pop. But um, but I always want to fix it. That's my thing. And I don't think we fixed it.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. Um, you how you had kind of mentioned to me when we talked that some of the songs, or you had insinuated anyway, that maybe some of the songs on that Times Two record were some things that uh, you and Shanty had already kind of had in your Tumblr before you were, were on a major label. Is that true?
2: Yeah, we were, I don't know if, if you remember that, that post I did, but um, yeah, we were, he and I were in this kind of punk new wave pop band back, you know, way back, like 79, 80, 81, 82. And then we had two members that that left and went off to college and we were just kind of auditioning drummers and guitarists and, didn't find anyone. And then a couple of years went by and around 83, I think we started doing, that's when we wrote Romeo and we did, we're, we're getting into, we were breakdancing. That's what we, we got really into oh. break. I, I was doing robot in the seventies. I was like, I was really into like, I don't know if you know this guy, Robert Shields. Robert
0: Shields. No, I don't know that one.
2: Yeah. Shields and Yarnell. He was this mime you know, out of San Francisco that started doing the robot way back, like probably late sixties, early seventies. Wow. And he got really popular. He had like a TV show just for one summer, but he was so popular that the Jackson Five used to go study his moves And uh, way back early 70s. And that's where they got the moves for Dancing Machine. That is a trip. That Yeah, awesome. yeah, from this this weird mime guy. And he was trying to copy the animatronic uh, statues from Disneyland.
0: How <laughs> yeah. cool. So this is what and, you were into as, as a young man watching this. And this is what you and Shanti were into?
2: Yeah, so I was totally into the robot and stuff, and, the seven, and people were freaking out because I was really good. This was probably pre-breakdancing. And then when breakdancing came along, I was just blown away. I was like, oh, my God. So both Shanti and I got into that, and obviously, you know, we got into the real the street music, which is what we were really trying to – what our original intention was to put that really street hip-hop, early hip-hop rap, beat, and groove, very simplistic, and then write these kind of Beatle-ish pop tunes over it kind of like yeah with I, mean, I, 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 with the, I I definitely see that
1: I love I love some of the percussion on it the drum beats are really funky I was you know when I listen to yeah. it I hear that and it's awesome because it does sound I mean it's very poppy it doesn't sound unlike stuff that was coming out on pop radio yeah. but it's way funky. I like it now
2: I, <laughs> I like it more now than I did then but at the time we were really trying to be more just bare bones just you know minimalistic And then, and then with like an acoustic guitar, but they wouldn't let us do it. With the clamp down, every time we tried to put an acoustic guitar over a hip hop beat, they were just like, "You can't do that. No one's ever done that," you know. And then, sure enough, Beck came out with "I'm a Loser."
1: Yeah, the '90s—that really did happen. Yeah, exactly. I guess guess you were just a little. bit And nobody,
2: nobody listened to you guys, and you all were trying to, you were trying to be the innovators. We were trying, but you know, we were just we were kept because we we signed on to Warner Brothers, and they were, you know, they kind of (laughs) just. we're telling it, we were, we fought as much as we could. And, um, there's one point when they, um, they wanted us to do that song. Only my pillow knows for sure. I don't know if you know that tune. On oh, there. sure. Yeah. You know, and I'm, ah, it was, it was really, it was something we didn't want to do. It was the other writers. And, and it wasn't just that we just didn't like the song. It's not, it's not the worst song ever, but at the time we were just like, no way, this is where we draw the line. And so we come back yeah. to our apartment and our electricity shut off. And, uh, our managers call out and like, so you're going to do the song now? And at that, that was the turning point where we just like, all right, we're the biggest horrors on the planet.
1: <laughs> they shut off your electricity?
2: Really? Yeah.
1: That is a
0: story. We,
2: yeah. Wow. But so you you <laughs> did end
0: up doing the Simon and Garfunkel cover, though, of Cecilia. So was that was that a compromise or, or did you come back? No,
2: no. We like that. I mean, okay. that, that song's great. It's very catchy. It's really cool. Yeah. And I don't know what happened with that. There's, there's many conflicting stories when that came out. We went on a little free, uh, like a radio tour before that single got released. And they were all over it, all over the country. They were like, oh, this is going to be the next big single. And then it came out and like no one would play it. Yeah. And I kept getting conflicting stories that Paul Simon got an argument about it. And then I got more realistic stories that our, our managers got in a fight with the record company because they were kind of jerks.
0: <laughs> uh, well, uh, you now you told me that you and Shanti have known each other for quite some time yes?
2: Yeah we're like 11 years old.
0: Wow so did you guys both grow up in, in the
2: same town? Where, you're from the San Francisco area right? California well yeah north, Point Reyes little tiny town
0: uh, it was both? like a
2: little redneck town rednecks and hippies and uh, yeah we we met when we were 11 we, we started out doing comedy we were doing comedy when we were like little we were really influenced by it Monty Python and Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin and Firesign Theater and all this radio, radio comedy that we were listening to. Oh, and there was this one group called Duck's Breath Mystery Theater that that we, we were really into. There was this really funny comedy group. Duck's so that's how it started. They were comfortable enough to sing around each other.
0: Oh, I see. So then you, you kind of grew the comedy act into a musical act by just, I see. So you guys practiced together. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, were you always kind of the instrumentalist, and he was the one who was more
2: comfortable singing? No, it started out the other way around. Interesting. Uh, yeah, in our early band, and then he just developed this, this amazing voice that worked for the type of stuff he was writing. He just he he had a he always had a vision more than I more than I did. I was chaotic and all over the place, and he just he honed it and got this soulful poppy voice, and it worked with what he was writing and. At that time, you know, when we did Times two, it was just, I was uncomfortable at that. It was kind of a point where we were almost going to stop doing music together, but we got this offer to by Warner Brothers through a demo tape. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll stay with it. He, it wasn't my comfort zone to do that type of, he, he was way way more adept at uh, doing that soulful stuff than I was. I, I, I can write pop and rock and punk rock and stuff, but more in a way. Uh, white way i guess you'd say yeah
3: (laughs) yeah then i
2: love you know i I love hip-hop and i was into the old rap stuff i knew i knew my limitations (laughs)
0: let's
2: just put it that way that's
0: you knew, you knew when to stay in your lane yeah (laughs) yeah as they say that's interesting so walk me through i want to know about how you actually got signed were you guys called times two when you were a four piece
2: no we were called the planets back in the day and we made some noise in the you know, Bay area, local Bay area, mostly Marin County, North of San Francisco. And, uh, uh, we we're doing pretty well. And then, but yeah, like I said, two members went off to college and, uh, their parents forced them to college. And it was really hard to find, find, uh, replacements at that time for the, for, you know, new wave kind of police style meets punk rock back then in the area we were in. Everyone was playing like reggae or, or, you know, blues or, rock and huh. roll and that's interesting yeah. that's super interesting yeah
0: so you guys were were definitely new wavier a bit a bit edgier maybe than what we what ended up on the times two record
2: oh yeah yeah way more and that was you know there was a gap of like two or three years between that band ended and then times two and times two was just a recording project that shanti started and i just kind of hel- i mostly helped out with harmonies and playing adding little parts on the keyboards and stuff Baselines or whatever
0: so was this kind of like his main gig and and he was the one kind of trying to market you guys
2: and ship off a demo tape pretty much and he just i feel like he was i felt like since we'd known each other since we were kids he he was comfortable dragging me along and I, i i was good at what i did you know as far as like harmonies and and that kind of stuff but uh i think it was just He was living in the past. He was like, all right, this is the guy I do music with. So come on, let's let's we can do this together. I think he was afraid to do it alone. I think he could have maybe done a better job with that first record. It just felt weird. It just felt bizarre. And everybody around was just like, ah, what's this guy doing here to me?
0: You know, did you know that he was trying to market
2: you guys and, and score a record deal? Oh yeah. He went down. So he took this demo we did. We eventually made this demo of like four songs and in like 83 or four and he took it down to Los Angeles and is before internet or cell phones or anything like that. And he said, Hey, if you get a phone call, I left, you know, I put your number on here cause I'm down in LA. So he calls me up like a week later and he goes, did anyone call? I'm like, yeah, Prince's lawyers called. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and some management company, you know, and, and he's like, Oh my God. And so they were all, they were all over us. And then we actually got a interview with Warner brothers shortly after that was like 84, 85, um, in the pop department. And, um, they turned us down. We were too R and B for pop. Wow.
0: Wow.
1: Right at that moment. I mean, I can see that
0: the eighties truly were a different time.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Very segregated. And you know, and they didn't know what to do with us. And then, so then the R and B guy, uh, picked us up uh a couple of years later. He was he was really into it. And he's like, oh wait, no, these guys are cool. And so he we ended up getting signed around eighty seven. So it was like from eighty three, you know, they were flirting with us until eighty seven. They were going back and forth and then That is really interesting. The, the guy, I
1: mean think so. about how much had changed on radio and pop that is and R and B in eighty three to eighty seven. So I think it's probably yeah.
2: a lot to do with that. So so then by the time we got signed, I was kind of like ah you know, I'm kind of done with this, you know, I was wow. really, we'd already spent a couple of years on it and I'm like, nah, I'm not like, uh, this isn't my forte. I want to move on, but we're getting signed. So, all right, I'll tough it out. And so I was just kind of, I felt like dead weight. I was kind of dead weight. And it was like, at the time it was really, it felt bad. I wasn't like able to embrace that. I was just like resistant. I was like, ah, geez, what's going on. But later on we figured it out. And like, a, like our second album, of course, didn't get released we we had the greatest time recording that that was with um EMI
0: so yeah, yeah. You, that, that led me to my next question so you guys left Warner Brothers and you you got a deal with EMI to do a second album do you think you were more on board at that point it seems like is, is that that
2: oh, is yeah. that accurate yeah way more on board because we we changed it up I'm like and I talked I had to talk to I mean you know, I said hey you know I wasn't involved with that last album I wasn't really wasn't my cup of tea but I said you know let's see how this goes if I'm if I'm not as involved in this songwriting process, I think you should do it on your own. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. And so we had that talk and it was good. And I was and I was involved.
0: So um, was he was, was he good. bummed? Was was Shanti bummed about the idea of, of losing you as a partner?
2: I don't I think at that point we'd been through you know, we'd been through a tour, we've been through, you know, girlfriends that had come and <laughs> got broke up with him and gone out with me and we had all the knockdown, drag out yelling fights we could have early childhood leftover resentment ego bullshit was right pretty much out of the way at that point and we were we were better friends we were got you know and so it was like oh it was we were ready to face reality and stuff but but we we worked on that second album and it was it was so much fun it was like the old days it was like being kids again and we produced the whole thing pretty much um ourselves and then at the, you know of course it's just you know you've heard the horror stories at the last minute there's a monkey wrench right right exactly yeah. <laughs> um and there
0: was a, a, a full second lp planned right called hi-fi and mighty you and i kind of talked about this when we were uh, yeah. chatting the other day it's
2: recorded it's, and it was pressed and they, they said it wasn't released but then i found it on ebay from Japan yeah it, so does, it does look like release. it
0: was released overseas in, in a couple of uh, places that's interesting so how how did that feel to to hear that years later to hear this stuff you had worked on that you, I guess you probably had never gotten to actually hear in a full album version
2: yeah I mean I had a I had a dat tape of it version of it and it, you know I, I always listened to it I'm like oh my god this is so much we're on our way to getting back to our our roots of something really good and uh but yeah, seeing the artwork and everything, I'm like, wow, I don't even remember, like, approving this artwork and this layout. I'm like, wow, this is so funny, you know. You maybe just, didn't, so, yeah, that's
1: probably why. Right the
2: last minute. Oh, I think what, I know what happened is uh, our managers, who were managing Richard Marks at oh. the time, um, got in a big fight with with uh, EMI. It's what, uh, Richard Marks was on EMI at that point. And... Uh, and the EMI said, "Oh yeah, well fuck you. We're done with all of your acts." So write it before that album got released. So
0: Wow. So there's there's an interesting bit of trivia. So Richard <laughs> Marks could have been involved in indirectly in the downfall of Times Too. Wow. Oh,
1: yeah. We're going to have to get some comment from Richard on yes.
0: this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a he seems like a pretty busy guy these days, so uh <laughs> maybe we could track him down next. <laughs>
1: I question about like as far as like the record company and your managers and you know when you got the big deal and you were out there and you were you know you're hitting with like strange but true like as far as like your look and your image how involved were you in that was that more the studio or did you get to really go out and say this is what we look like this is what we want to present ourselves as this is what we are how much of it was you and how much of it was them
2: it was pretty much all us oh we were we were into vintage clothes and stuff for for years and and uh So we were wearing a lot of that, you know, older suits and stuff. And I, you know, at that point I was, I had a shaved head, I had a mohawk and stuff before all that. And then I was just at that particular point in time, I was just happening to be growing my hair out, just rebelling against myself.
1: So if you would have gotten this um, deal and started releasing this stuff in like 83, 84 when you wrote it, what would the strange but true video have looked like? What would you all have been wearing in that (laughs) one? I want to picture (laughs) it in my head.
2: Yeah, I guess more, you know, we, I think we both had kind of mohawks then. Wow. <laughs>
1: it's like a whole different image. I it love really it.
2: It really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we were really into punk, like, early on. I mean, I can't say I was a full-fledged punk rocker. Um, I'm too eclectic. You know, I grew up on classical and jazz and, like, all kinds of other types of music. I, I didn't even like rock and roll until I, till I heard the Sex Pistols. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then I realized, then it made sense to me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is rebellion. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, sometimes I th- I think it's more punk rock to be anti-punk rock because all you have to do exactly. is rebel against that's them. That's right. So if everyone's punk rock and you're not, that's even more I punk know. rock. I
2: know, exactly. <laughs> no, and that's why I don't have any tattoos. When did like you I'm start really
0: using the uh, the, the stage name Johnny Dollar?
2: Was that Were you Johnny Dollar when you were in the Planets also or did that come along with Times 2? I was not. It just came along with Times 2 and it was kind of a joke. I was just like, Shanti and I always had these inside jokes that no one else got. So I was just kind of like, hey, I'm Johnny Dollar, you know, and I was just like this lounge singer kind of smarmy sh- 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 guy, character that I would do. I never did that character much in times, too, but I was just like, it was Johnny. I didn't think people would take it seriously, but then like people were like, oh, Johnny Dollar. I don't know. And then I think I must have heard it from an old film. I think I heard it from some uh, Marilyn Monroe film. She mentions some private detective named Johnny Dollar. How funny. Wow. And, uh, you know, but now you can now all those anything that you steal from the past back in those days, no one ever really knew. But now it's, it's right. All, you type Johnny Dollar. Can, there's like probably a million of them back in the day.
1: There's at least there's some, one dead one. There's
0: some kid in a garage band somewhere going by Shanti Jones. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> exactly. oh, uh, man.
0: So tell me tell me what you're up
2: to now. Tell me about your band now. Yeah, I have this band. I've had it since 2003 and I started it in New Orleans. It's called El Radio Fantastic. And it's kind of based on my whole idea that I've had forever about this amazing radio that can just play all kinds of music. I've never been locked into a, a genre, you know, that's like, like, like I said, rock and New Wave, and classical, and rock and roll and, you know, the Partridge family and whatever. Oh. Um oh i get it now so it's like a radio
0: you can tune to whatever station and you guys depending on what station you're tuned to that's what your song is going to sound like huh is that the yeah yeah
2: and so but there's a thread it's not like we're like a a showcase for like a a variety band or or show you know everything has a there's a common core in it i mean i write pretty dark depressing lyrics about murder death and suicide
1: i'm there for it i love it
2: (laughs) you know i was a pre goth goth back in the day um I, and I was a grave digger, so I, I have a morbid sense of humor. You were a Wait, you were digger? a grave digger?
0: Like, an I actual a, grave digger? Yeah, before Times 2. Now, that's not one we've heard yet. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> wow. You actually, like, physically
2: dug graves in graveyards? Yeah, I dug graves in graveyards. I was, a, I was a, born into a really old family, if that makes any sense. My parents were pretty old, so by proxy, I had these great uncles and great aunts and grandfathers that were all dying off every year. Really cool, old, great old generation Danish piano makers. On my An
0: old side. family, <laughs> sir. Are you? Are you a vampire? Are you insinuating <laughs> that you're a vampire? Because that's kind of what I'm hearing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> People have said that, but uh, <laughs> so they were dying off a lot, and then I, I would just, I'd be a pallbearer at their funeral from the time I was 11. You know, and I was surrounded by death, and so I had to like channel it somewhere. So I was just writing stories about it, and then just became a grave digger. It was a very peaceful job. <laughs> and uh,
1: Man. yeah, from there. Interesting.
0: That is
2: so. I did not That not is expect- so very fascinating. That wow. is one thing
1: I did not expect to hear.
2: <laughs> you know, I was That's just cool. a weird kid. I was growing up, grew up in a tiny country town. My dad was an old World War II era guy, but he's part Indigenous. His my great grandma was full blown Paiute Indian, and so my dad was just. He was this weird, anarchist, well read eclectic guy in the 40s you know he's wearing a turban he's hanging out with drag queens and drug addicts and he got very conservative later on and then he then he went back to his roots in his old age which was really nice but so he raised me as just I had no boundaries for like what to I had no identity you know he didn't he raised me like don't you know don't identify yourself as like I'm into this and I'm that I'm joining this which he never joined anything so I, I have that whole thing in me and it made a lot of sense to me.
1: That's really cool and it explains a lot actually. It
2: really does. Yeah. Now, do you think that you've been
0: able to maintain that lifestyle or do you think because you mentioned your dad got more conservative as he got older, do you think you've gotten con- more conservative in in any way?
2: No, I think I've gotten less. <laughs> <laughs> I've had all these ideas about and and I'm not talking about politically conservative or anything like that. I'm sure. talking about the a worldview of why we're here, why we eat, the way we eat, why we go to work, why we go to school, why we live in nuclear family monogamy all that shit i've dissected over the years especially studying hunter-gatherer cultures and my own heredity i've like questioned it all my whole life and now yeah you know, i feel like i have more i'm more empowered with being outside that whole those those normative and it makes worlds. sense
1: you're, you're channeling that in your music i can hear it
0: yeah that makes good. It if, really thank you if uh, if people want to find your music
2: uh where where's the best place for them to do so I guess uh, I, I think our website might be down, but like uh, Bandcamp, L Radio, Fantastic. Okay, um, we'll we'll make sure a link gets on the episode page for this episode for sure. Yeah. And um, I'll send you. I have a new. We're releasing vinyl really soon of a, a bunch of new stuff. We sound very different now. Oh, cool! Than that, that you've probably heard uh, less horns and more like distorted keyboards and kind of punky pop stuff. But I'll Ooh. send you a link to that. Sweet. I'm into
0: it. Yeah. Now, I, I kind of got the impression, too, when we spoke a few days ago that Shanty's kind of a private guy. But I, I would love to hear anything you're willing to share about what he's up to now. You did mention he's in a band, right?
2: Uh, he's, he, he I, last I heard he was doing just kind of solo one-man band thing that he was calling Sex and Reverb. And he, and, and by the way, he likes to be called Shanti.
0: Shanti. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he bristles at Shanty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good to know.
2: Um, but, uh, he's, he's. He was doing that, and I, and he still. I'm not sure what or where to point people in the direction, but I know he was selling uh, his music to some TV shows and stuff. He was getting commercial work, and he's also a teacher. Uh, he's a video uh, a film film teacher at a college in the East Bay, and he's also. I think I mentioned he was like an amazing illustrator, painter, artist. His oh, wife.
0: neat. I, it's it, it's starting to sort of fall into place why you two, or I guess maybe it's kind of a nature versus nurture thing, like why you two were fast friends and also probably grew up in the same or similar circumstances and you guys just seem to have very similar personalities uh, or interests yeah, at least.
2: We were like, we are surrounded by, you know, mostly stoned rednecks and stoned hippies and we were the weird, we were just weird outside kids. He grew up in a bohemian more kind of hippie parents and i grew up with world war ii parents but they were bohemians too and we just kind of met in the middle
0: that is very very fascinating
1: that yeah, is very fascinating also i can tell that he defines redneck differently being in california yeah, than right. we do in kentucky <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah we're in yeah. kentucky we're by also the way any
1: bohemian ones
2: <laughs> yeah there was a mixture of that kind of stuff oh, Yeah. oh i'm sure yeah <laughs> but the small towns in california were were really damn redneck back in the day
1: <laughs> oh i bet yeah,
2: grocery store, sold firearms. You know, when I was a kid, I could go buy a carton of cigarettes and a pack of shotgun shells and a Playboy magazine when I was like 10 for my and like, it's for my dad.
0: So I'm going to ask one final question and then uh, we'll we'll let you go. Is there any like, can you see any universe in which another Times Two album or song or project or something would happen? Like if you guys would ever reunite and do uh, work together again?
2: Well, we worked recently, or as recently as like 95, 96, we actually got, had a demo deal with um, Polygram for a while, with more kind of alternative stuff, guitar oriented. And a lot of those songs are still really, really, really good. And um, and I talked to him about it, uh, I guess a year ago, about putting one of those songs on either my album or something he's doing and if he wanted to do it and he was he was open to it so i yeah. think there's you know i think that that's a possibility so you're saying there's a chance there is <laughs> a chance i mean we, we really both of us are huge fans of each other's uh work you know
0: yeah that's very evident in in certainly in the way you speak about him and uh yeah
2: he so he came to L radio fantastic show like we were playing some big festival and I don't know. A couple of years ago, he came. He's like, "Ah!" He came backstage. I want to kick something. This is so goddamn good. You know? <laughs> oh, it was that's like, so sweet. It was so nice here. So validating. You know, that's oh, awesome.
0: Well, that's good. I I I just love that.
2: That is yeah. awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for the time you've given us today. I really, really appreciate you talking to us. This has been just really, really cool.
2: Yeah, I know you wanted to talk about some equipment and but we can get to that some other time.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I you know, I'm am just a gearhead. I always like hearing, you know, what drum machines and things like that were involved.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the drum machine, but I know we used the Pol- Korg Poly 61. Oh, yeah. And we used even a Casio MT-40 and a Mirage sampler. Cool. And a DX7 and oh, yes, of course. the other one a Roland D4. A Roland D4? No, sorry. Roland D50. They're, he's going to say what?
0: the D50. Yeah, that would have been that would have been the D50 Golden Era yeah oh right on. i just that's found cool. a,
2: i found a keyboard magazine with an article about us in it that had it all laid out what we used
0: <laughs> oh how oh, funny nice. <laughs> i think i bet that's the same magazine that we found when we did the jane child episode that laid Probably. out all of her synths and
2: whatnot that's an interesting oh, okay.
1: magazine wow yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> From, uh, yeah i got it right here it's november 88 yeah
0: nice that's cool mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you, guys, man. You bunch of nerds. Love it. Yes. Yeah. Totally. The worst. <laughs> <You did laughs> You're it, we're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> you are.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. What a just an absolute cool guy he was, right?
1: Yeah. He's pretty A+. Also, just an aside for listeners talking about how we ended up finding him and talking to him. Let me just tell you just the message series from Max when this was happening like a couple Sunday nights ago. It was a wild ride. Yes. I had so many questions, and he was just giving me answers. To it was I, was. I was giving like, her real on. time.
0: I was like, well, it I turns out like, Johnny Dollar might not be dead. And she's like, what? Like, Hold
1: on. I was like, <laughs> it's like, you've gone two steps. She's too kind far. of like, how do you know
0: this? And I was like, well, I'm talking to him right now. I'm like, oh.
1: <laughs> it, was just, it was just like you kept going, and I was like, wait, I still have questions about like number one here. Wait, <laughs> I need yeah, to go right. back. It was very, it's just, it's a It's a good turn of events, and I'm glad that we can share it with you today, yes. listener.
0: And that, that I hope you enjoyed hearing that conversation as much as we just enjoyed having it because yeah. that was just so cool. Grave Digger, I'm still not over that.
1: I it's it was I wasn't expecting it. No, I wasn't either. Real I loved curveball. it.
0: All right. So we're going to talk about the music now since um, we didn't really touch on the specifics of the tunes then. So now we get to go through and talk about the music. Yay.
1: And he's not listening. So I can say whatever. That's right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't don't know. I mean, I might say
0: whatever. Um, May of 1988 is when the first Times 2 single dropped. It was called Strange But True. This was uh, their their biggest hit. um, A number 21 hit here in the United States and a number 12 hit on the dance charts. Um, this is just like 80s pop at its finest, it's pop right? Gold. Like, if you synthesized. Interesting choice of words there. I just thought about what I was saying. <laughs> if you synthesized 80s pop in a lab, this song is yeah. probably pretty close to what you would get.
1: Exactly. Like, it doesn't to me sound like a giant, like, mega hit forever, but it's one of those hits you just know was on the radio all the time. And you may not ever hear it anymore, but you hear it and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when that was on the radio. I'm sure this was a giant radio hit. And it uh, feels like it.
0: I love that he told us um, that the outfits were kind of their doing and whatnot, because that was that's like a huge part of their charm, right? You know, again, they're just these like two really cute, stylish guys.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't weird that people dressed like that in videos. No, not at so all. So I was like kind of wondering if it was like, you're going to be these guys. Right. Or if it was them being like, that's who they were. So I always kind of wondered that when people are looking like that in videos. I love it, though. I think that Johnny Dollar looks like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> I think he does. I don't mean that in a bad way. Tommy Wiseau's a good-looking man.
0: I have nothing to say silly. on that topic. You just
1: sounds silly when he. But opens I do love out. this
0: song a lot. Um, I love great. the guitars, the drum. I just I love everything about the way all of this comes together, it's just... and it's just a plus pop music. Uh. So their second single, um, as you heard us um, bring up with with Mr. Dollar, I want to call him Mr. Dollar. I don't know why. That's very funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) With Mr. Senor Dollar. Wouldn't he be? (laughs) Wait, wouldn't he be Senor Peso then?
1: Senor. Yeah, I guess so.
0: Stay with the class, Danielle.
1: I'm sorry. I'm just I love the name Johnny Dollar because it sounds like one of those like it's, like, a foreigner who comes to America and, like, doesn't want people to know he's a foreigner. He's like, I need a very American name. Oh, so he comes up Johnny, with, like, yeah, you're I'm right. Johnny Dollar. Yes. You know? I
0: like it. Yeah. You're right. It's <laughs> like we're... You're right. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, so they, they end up covering uh, Cecilia, which, as you heard, was their decision to, to do, um... Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually quite like their version of this song. Um it's not I li- bad. I like it better than the original I love version. the
1: original. Nothing will touch the original for me. I love that song. But it's.
0: Yeah, I don't know. As far as the lyrics to this song, they've all, like, I don't know. Do
1: you know what it's about, though?
0: Yeah, it's about banging all day. And then no. when I get up to wash my face, I come back to bed and some other dude is in bed with you. You know, it's it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like, "Mm, I don't think this actually happened. It's
1: a metaphor for Cecilia is like the patron saint of like creativity or something. And Paul Simon was like, this is, I think this is real. I think I might, I'm saying that I know this, but maybe it's a old wives tale. But Cecilia is like the patron saint of like creativity. And Paul Simon had writer's block and couldn't find anything to write about. So it was like him praying to St. Cecilia. It's like, you're breaking my heart. You're shaking my confidence daily because he's like i can't write anything help me write so
0: stuff. then why all the bit about
1: i think like you just can't be like
0: or is that a metaphor same. too like I think being it's in bed. a little bit
1: of a metaphor being in bed
0: with your thoughts all day yeah is that- oh. it's like
1: that's what it's about okay. that's why i think it's funny in this version when they're like you know won't well, like won't you make love to me and all that shit i'm just like oh that's no, a saint let's well, not do that like it's a weird <laughs> twist <laughs> all just, right like, you know the original thing but uh i'm not sure about the faux reggae I'm always weird about it. It's like so UB40 for me, and I don't think that's their fault. I think it's just UB40's fault, and now I can't unhear UB40 all the time. Many,
0: many things are UB40's fault. I know, like it's not times
1: two, it's just UB40, and I can't do it.
0: So a couple more album cuts we got to talk about because this album is just it's so wonderful. Um, There's there's just so much solid 80s pop happening here. Uh, Three into two don't go this. I think this one should have been a single.
1: It's really good. It's so funky.
0: Think think about what I my favorite thing to think about with this one is if this had been recorded by Miami Sound Machine, this would have been a hit
1: oh yeah I, I can see lots of people recording this song and having it be it kind of it has a
0: that syncopated uh, slightly Latin vibe to it right
1: it does yeah I mean it's got that really funky beat and it's got like that smooth pop vocal mm-hmm. over it so it's not like full Latin pop but you can hear it it could easily be that it's such a good little song Baby.
0: So, I wanted to bring this one up mostly just to make fun of it a little bit. Yes. <laughs> uh, they have a song called LOD, Love on Delivery. Yeah. It
1: feels. I mean, it is. Like you know that they got. Hey girl, up,
0: I did something nice for you, and now you gotta wink, wink, do something nice well, for me. Well,
1: here's the thing: like this song to me, now that <laughs> this we've like song talked, to song them, might as well just be called. They hey were talking, you know, talking about how like Warner Brothers R and B division picked them up. Like this is the most like R and and B. Oh yeah, yeah, that. yeah, like, I agree. To me, it sounds like a good mix of like that time what like New Edition was, but like if you had two white guys doing it and it comes out like what color me bad was a couple years later it's like a good in between so in a way it's ahead of its time if you want to be color me bad before it's time but that's what it sounds like to me and it's interesting it's uh it's not terrible but like oh it's silly whoa,
3: whoa, whoa, whoa. when both of us know you better give me back what you owe because there's a lesson i've learned
0: Um, I had to talk about Jet. This song just pops.
1: It is is not a Paul McCartney and Wings cover. No, it is not. But Um, it is awesome. The drum machine can get it on here.
0: This song goes really hard, and I'm here for every second of it.
1: It is Funkadelic. Because I love you.
0: And finally, Romeo, which you heard uh, Mr. Dollar bring up briefly.
1: <laughs> I think it is interesting that that was such an early song for them.
0: Well, and I, I think I think ma- I like to think that maybe I got on his good side very quickly when I mentioned that this was my favorite song on the album, because it is. But it's like the one that he co-wrote and co-produced, which I did not know. So <laughs> I think I think he was like, oh, OK, cool. He likes my song. Yeah, I'll do the interview. <laughs> but I do love this song. Like, this really is my favorite cut. It's on the a really
1: good song. Like um, it. Do you know what I think this song sounds like? It kills me that he said it was such an early song of theirs. Mm -hmm. Because I thought it was like the most like 1988 of it. Because you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like a cameo song, but without cameo vocals. That music is cameo to me. Then you just got somebody going, Hey, (laughs) Romeo. It would be cameo. It would be cameo.
0: Yeah, I guess it's like if cameo did
1: like a more
0: upbeat dance song.
1: Yeah, like the beat is really hard and it's like... Yeah, I mean, it's more upbeat than Cameo, but it sounds like Cameo. That's why it's so weird that he said that was early, because I was like, wow, that's really ahead of that sound. Cool.
0: So two years later, um, by two years later, by 1990, uh, Times Two was done with Warner Brothers and had moved on and gotten a deal with EMI, um, who was going to press a full-length LP that never happened, which um, I want to call, I want to say it was Hi-Fi something, Hi-Fi and Mighty. That was the name of the the second album. It's a very good title. Never happened. But there was a promotional EP released in 1990 that was supposed to be ahead of the full LP, but that never happened. But the EP did get released in the Mm -hmm. U.S., um, and it's called Danger Is My Business. I um,
1: love that title.
0: And uh, actually, you know what? I totally forgot to ask him about this when we were talking to him. But Set Me Free, this song, uh, totally samples. I was
1: going to see if that was just me or. OK, so you hear the sample of it's, the public enemy.
0: Yeah, it samples public enemy security of the first world. And I before, th- I think it might have happened before Justify My Love. It is.
1: It had to have been. It had to have been. Because, I mean, Justify My Love would have been, what, ninety.
0: 90 it was late 1990 it was, it was, it was October Ooh. of 1990
1: and I bet because I, I had the
0: exact same thought when I when I listened to this I went oh my gosh I think that they might have sampled this first
1: well the only reason I like I heard it because I had never heard this song before and it started playing and I wasn't really looking at it playing through and I thought like it had switched to something by Madonna and I was like why did justify my love coming on <laughs> and then I popped up I'm like oh my god
0: so yeah if you if you, you don't know if you're not love familiar love with it. this song Madonna's justify my love to even say that it samples this Public Enemy song is it's the is generous. It literally is the Public Enemy song yeah. with some extra production added to it and Madonna's vocals. Yeah. Um, and the Public Enemy song is called "Security of the First World," and it sounds like "Set Me Free" borrows this this uh, same does. hook it's the as well.
1: Same thing. It is the exact same thing, and I think it has to be before.
0: Has to be very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, Max Barging in here with a really quick follow-up. I actually messaged Mr. Dollar about this right after our conversation and after we had recorded this episode, and he confirmed that indeed, yes, they had done it first. He said it was his idea. They did it off of a public enemy cassette tape uh, with an Akai S900 sampler. So there you go. How's that for a cool mystery solved? (laughs) You can definitely hear the new direction they were trying to go with this with this music. Um, it's, it's a it's a shame. I I may have to eBay a copy of that second album, which I'm I'm, I'm glad to know that it does actually exist. Yeah. Um.
1: It, I didn't know that it. Like I just knew that it. I don't know. I read that it wasn't ever released anywhere, but clearly it was released in Japan or yep, somewhere. It was. it was released somewhere. Someone has it.
0: And then so we've got this other song Sweet Jane's Revenge and you can definitely hear where they were going to go with the album yes. uh, on this. They <laughs> they you meant you you drew a Color Me Bad um comparison earlier. This is like more like the the kind of early 90s when there were like alternative pop groups starting to come up like uh-huh. EMF that kind of thing yes like, to me this
1: sounds like a like Mr. Biggs to be with you that like kind of yeah. little funky beat or, but or, pop um, melody and then a, a, a guitar over it which is kind of what he said he what are they called
0: uh, uh, Jane's Addiction
1: a little bit Jane, Jane's Addiction was harder to me yeah they weren't like
0: funky see it's just it's somewhere it exists yeah. somewhere in in between all of this stuff it's in between Public 90. Enemy and in between Color Me Bad and in between EMF and in between Jane's Addiction somewhere floating like right in between before, all of that
1: like right before that stuff started hitting big that stuff started mm-hmm. hitting big like 91, 92 yep it was like a little tiny, about like grunge but like grunge for the single mom yeah.
0: And that's it. Times two was, was a done deal after that, um, as yeah. you heard Mr. Dollar mention.
1: Or is it?
0: Or is it? Also, well, as, you as, to as the, we heard. You
1: listen to the <laughs> thing. I guess it's not like, I'm not setting anything up here.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> Once you
1: skip the interview, you dummies.
0: <laughs> yeah. In which case, why do you even listen to the show? That was like one of the coolest things we've ever gotten to do we on this do show. That
1: sometimes on the show, we're like, "Why are you even listening? Why are we I don't so know. mean to our listeners?" I still don't, I listeners? don't know.
0: No, it's. I think it's self-deprecation. I don't know why anybody's listening to us, but I'm. I'm very happy that they are. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was just a really cool thing to get to talk yeah. to uh, to Mr. Dollar. <laughs> that's, that's like very that. Cool. I'm not gonna stop calling him that. That's that's, that's 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 how he's in my brain now. <laughs> But that was just uh, that was so cool of him to to give up uh, his time and talk to us like that and so cool. talk about some stuff. Because, you know, people uh, a lot of times it's hard to talk about um, some things you've been through and they can feel like a past life. And it's not always a pleasant experience. So uh, I appreciate yeah. that and I respect that. And um, I, I hope that that uh, ended up being a, a positive experience for him as it definitely was for us.
1: He was very I think he liked it.
0: He yes. seemed happy,
1: th- or at least he's th- very good at acting. I
0: think he likes us. I'm going to send him a note. Do you like us? Check yes or check no. <laughs>
1: Total I'll, besties. I'll pass it
0: to him in homeroom tomorrow. Oh, God. <laughs> um, If you would like to hear any of our old episodes, uh, which do not feature cool interviews with Johnny Dollar, um, you can do so on our website, which is offbeattrackscast.com.
1: And if you were a member of an 80s offbeat band and you want us to ask you questions and like you're ready to talk and, about your studio and experience. or uh,
0: blow off the lid uh, blow the lid off the story that you're actually not dead
1: yeah if you're somebody who the internet thinks is dead and you want to not be dead anymore we'd I mean, love yeah, to talk like, to you that, let's
0: be honest that's really what we've done here this week we brought a guy back from the dead I think that's what happened yes
1: I, we have uncovered something we proved we to
0: know. the world that this dude wasn't dead.
1: anyway if you have any of those things you can tweet <laughs> us Um we're always ready to break news or Unbreak New... I don't know. Uh, we're ready to revive you from the dead at Twitter, at Offbeat Tracks.
0: Yes. Danielle always talks a lot right there because she's trying to remember what our Twitter handle <laughs> That's is. Not true.
1: I was just trying to come I up don't with know the why. best way. Our
0: Twitter handle is literally at Offbeat Tracks. No, I remember,
1: but I'm trying to come up with a really cool way of saying it, and then I realize what I'm saying isn't cool, so I just keep talking more, hoping it just comes out accidentally.
0: Also, um, check out our, the episode page for this episode um, to be linked up to El Radio Fantastique, and uh, Mr. Dollar's current group uh, (laughs) and hear what he's up to now because his stuff is good. He sent some of it to... To uh, Danielle and myself already and um he Sad songs
1: that sound happy. Yes, Thumbs he up. has
0: a song about his experiences uh working uh, with um, that record label. So very interesting.
1: It's, it's not it's not, you know, yes unclear either. You we'll, know how it feels.
0: We'll be back next week to talk about uh something that is <laughs> lyrically the exact opposite.
1: Oh my god, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Yes. Yeah. So uh, we'll be back with uh with that next week. Ooh. And until then, I'm Max. I'm Danielle. See ya.